family, and Happy New Year. Uh, it is hard to believe it, but it is the first Sunday of 2024. Now, I think uh, a couple, maybe last year, the year before, uh, January 1st was a Sunday, um, which, mean, which meant that you came to church that Sunday really optimistic and excited with great plans about the new year. This year, we're seven days in, you're already discouraged. You've already given up on all your resolutions. Uh, so you are ready to hear the gospel, and that's good news. Um, for the past decade of pastoral ministry, uh, I've often used the first Sunday of a new year to think about a particular area of church life where uh, I believe the Lord would have us to grow in faithfulness. I, I think this has two advantages. Um, one, it allows you to kind of look under the hood instead of worrying, wondering what's the big thing that Pastor Hobson has on his mind for the new year. I'll just tell you at the very beginning of the year, and that way you're not caught off guard later. Uh, the second reason is that it tethers this vision for a new year, not to something like how many people come to church or how many people get baptized or how many new members we have or how big the budget is, but it ties it to the Word of God. What does God have for His church in the year ahead? Uh, so with that said, my prayer for Pocosin Baptist Church in 2024 is a prayer specifically for our elders, and by elders, I don't mean the older people in the church, uh, but for those that are called to be pastors, shepherds, leaders, elders in this congregation. If you're new to Pocosin Baptist Church, uh, our elders are the men that come up and do the, the really long prayer right before the pastor comes up to preach. That's, those are our elders. So Brother Sterling is one of our elders, one of our pastors here at PBC. So my heart... For this church, in this year ahead, is that, is that these men, our elders, would grow in skill and faithfulness as soul shepherds. Now, you might be tempted to think right about now, I'm not an elder at Pocosin Baptist Church. Free nap, Right? The next 45 minutes or so, however long it takes him to talk about this, I don't, I don't really have to listen. I can just check out because he's really not talking to me. Hold on. If you are a father or a mother, there is a sense in which you are called to shepherd in your home especially to the husbands and fathers. So much of what we'll talk about in our text this morning does apply to you. If you're a member of Pocosin Baptist Church, what, what, what you're seeing here is what you should be praying for God to do in and through our leaders. If you're here and you're not a member of this church, maybe you're thinking about membership at Pocosin Baptist Church, you're just kind of intrigued, you're interested you're getting a glimpse, a little glimpse of what we hope to accomplish as leaders here at this church. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're getting a glimpse of the ideal, what shepherding should be, and we hope that that will point you to the great and good and glorious shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. So for all these reasons and more, I would challenge you not to zone out for the next 45 minutes. 
and hear what God has to say to you from his faithful and true word. If you're not already in the book of Acts, I'm going to invite you to turn there to Acts chapter 20. Paul is near the end of his third missionary journey. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He wants to be there before the Feast of Pentecost, this big feast that commemorated the sending of the Holy Spirit into the hearts of the people of God after the ascension of Jesus. And he wants to be in Jerusalem, but before he goes on his way, he calls all the elders from Ephesus to meet him in a town called Miletus, and he wants to give them a final challenge. He doesn't think he's going to see these men ever again. Brother Sterling read much of that, the, his words to those elders, but we're going to focus just on one verse. Acts 20, verse 28. Let me read it again for you. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Here's the big idea I hope to communicate to you with God's help this morning. The central task of an elder or a pastor, the central task is to shepherd souls. That's our job. I hope to demonstrate that by asking and answering three simple questions from our text. Who must we shepherd? How must we shepherd? And why must we shepherd? Let's dive right in with question number one. Who must we shepherd? Look at the verse again. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Who are pastors supposed to shepherd? The really simple answer right in the text is they're supposed to shepherd all the flock. But, but what does that mean? Who is the flock? Who are the individuals that pastors are called to shepherd? I've been one of the pastors at Pocosin Baptist Church since August of 2016. In that time, there have been hundreds of people that have worshiped with us on Sundays. There were people that came one time and never came back. It was something we said. I don't know. There have been people that, that come every Easter or every Christmas Eve, and maybe they're at other churches during the rest of the year. Maybe they don't go anywhere, but we see them for those sorts of holidays. There are people that we see for a little bit, for a few weeks, for a few months, and then something happens. They move away. Um, they find another church, or they just lose interest, and they go somewhere else. There are people that were members of this church, and for one reason or another, they've been sent away to another church and are involved somewhere else. So are all of those people, all those hundreds and hundreds of people, are all of those people the ones that pastors are supposed to shepherd? Who are elders supposed to shepherd? That's the question we're asking. I think we'll get a little bit of help if we look at another verse, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It's on the screen. I want you to listen to it. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. And by the way, it's not talking about government leaders. This is within the church. Obey your leaders in the church and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now that verse only makes sense if two things are true. Christians must, must know which leaders they're supposed to obey, and leaders must know which Christians they're supposed to keep watch over. So really simply, Christian, follower of Jesus in this room, you are not responsible 
to obey every Christian leader everywhere. You're not responsible to do that. You're responsible to follow and obey, as as long as they're teaching God's Word, the leaders in your local church. And elders, pastors, shepherds, you are not called to shepherd every Christian or every individual that walks through these doors, but the members of your local church. So the really simple answer to our question, who must we shepherd, is we must shepherd every member of Pocosin Baptist Church. Now, I want you to stop for a second and think about what church membership means. Because I think for some of us, we think of church membership kind of like membership at Costco or Sam's. You ever try to go into Costco or Sam's Club without a membership card? I mean, they will straight pounce you. If you try to walk into those doors and you don't have a card, then they're going to get after you. The other day, Holly went in front of me, and I'm a little bit behind her, and they're about to put me in a chokehold. She's right up there. It's my wife, you know. you got to point, and they got to show you the card. They look at the card. Make sure you're a member. You're not allowed in the doors if you're not a member. Membership at a church is not like that. Not like that, thankfully, Right? There's many of you here this morning that are not members of this church. We're so grateful that you're here. We're not standing at the door checking your membership card before we let you in. If you're here and you're not a member, you're welcome. We're glad that you're here. You can come here for years upon years upon years and never join this church. You'll still be welcome here. Membership doesn't mean you can have access to the building. Membership in a church is more like membership in the armed forces. When you joined the military, those of you that served in the military, you made a commitment to an institution, didn't you? You made a commitment to an institution. As part of that commitment, you were agreeing to submit to military leadership. Your leaders were responsible to watch over you, and you are responsible to follow your leaders. Membership in the church is like that. You're submitting to a people, to an institution, and you're saying, I'm going to follow Jesus as I follow these leaders, and they're going to watch over me as I follow Jesus. Now, because we live in an age that is very skeptical of authority, I think we bristle a little bit when we hear that. Are you saying that I'm supposed to obey Pastor Hobson and Pastor Sterling and Pastor Mike and Pastor Mike and Pastor Bubba, Pastor Jason and Pastor Sam? Am I supposed to obey them? Here's the way we word it in our PBC covenant. This will be on the screen. We commit to pray for our leaders, submit to them as they submit to Christ and hold them accountable as they lead us in obedience to Christ. So, are you called PBC members to follow your leaders, the elders, the shepherds here at PBC, insofar as they are leading you faithfully in the Word of God? The moment one of your pastors leads you in anything contradictory to the Word of God, or in addition to the Word of God, you have every right to tell them no. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but I hope that you will, 
because your responsibility is to follow us insofar as we are following Christ. And if you're a member of this faith family, we're responsible to shepherd you. So, if you're a member here, your job is to follow the shepherds that are shepherding your souls. If you're not a member of Pocosin Baptist Church, I want to ask you a question. Who is keeping watch over your soul? Who is shepherding you? Perhaps you're here visiting us this morning and you're involved faithfully in another local church. Praise God. Hope that your pastors there are faithfully shepherding you. But if you're disconnected from any local church, who is watching over your soul? Who loves you enough to check on how you're doing in your walk with Jesus? If you're a Christian, you know that you are saved by grace, right? You also know if you're a Christian that, that it's, except for the grace of God, you're just one bad decision away from making a shipwreck of your life. Don't you want shepherds that watch over you and warn you when you're barreling towards a cliff? I, I, I want that. I need it. Listen, dear friend, Attending Pocosin Baptist Church, if you've been with us for a while, is a wonderful thing. We're so grateful that you're here, but we want something more from you and more for you than merely being in the building. We want you to belong. We want you to be shepherded. So if you'd like to talk to someone more about what it means to be a member of this church, I'd love to talk to you more after the service. But standing out there by that door, I'd love to talk to you. Let me say a word to our elders here, to those of you that are shepherds at Pocosin Baptist Church, I want you to notice one little word in verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to, here's the word, all the flock. Elders, brother pastors, we are responsible to shepherd all the flock of this church, every member of this church. I, I stress that because this past fall, the Lord brought me under heavy conviction for that very reason, for neglecting this in my personal ministry as an elder. If you're a member here at Pocosin Baptist Church, you know that our, our total membership is divided into seven different groups, one for each elder. We all have a, we call it a shepherding group, a group of members that we are responsible to shepherd particularly. And as I began to think through the names that I had been assigned to, I began to ask myself a series of questions. Have you spent intentional time with each member on your list? How often do you talk with them? Do you have a general idea of how they came to Christ? If they're married, do you know how the husband and the wife are doing, or just the husband? Do you know how parents and believing children are doing, or just mom and dad? How much time have you spent with the members in your shepherding group as individuals and not in a group setting? 
How engaged are you in the spiritual life of every member on your list? Can you list specific prayer requests for each and every member? Can you list specific struggles and temptations for every member? Can you comment on the current state of their walk with Jesus? Do you know how their Bible reading is going? How their prayer time is going? For those with children, do you know how family worship is going? For those that are married, do you know how their marriages are going? Do you know the state of their souls? And how well are you leading every member in your shepherding group? As I began to ask myself those questions and others as well, I began to feel the weight of conviction that in many of those things I was not doing as I ought. So let me say again to the elders of Pocosin Baptist Church, we are responsible to shepherd every man and every woman who is a member of this church. We are responsible to shepherd every teenager or every, and every child that has become an associate member, every absent member who is sick at home, everyone that's away at college, traveling for work or away for some other reason, everyone that's difficult to talk to, everyone that's painful for us personally to invest in. We are responsible to shepherd every single one church members, do you see maybe just a little glimpse of why a plurality of elders is so important? That it's not just one man, but all of us together that carry this weight. And yet, are we carrying it as well as we should, brother elders? Who must we shepherd? We must shepherd every member of this local church. Question number two, how must we shepherd? And I want you to consider from our text three keys to shepherding well. First of all, we must know the members. Look at verse 28. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. You cannot pay attention to a flock that you do not know. Elders, it is not enough for us merely to know the names and a few details about their lives. We must know as best as we can the state of their souls. And to the members here listening to my voice, we too must know how one another are doing. Do we know Do we know each other? Do we know the flock? In the mid-1600s, there lived a Puritan pastor in England named Richard Baxter who wrote a classic book called The Reformed Pastor. And in that book, he offers thorough instructions for pastors on how to shepherd their sheep. Listen to what what he wrote. He said, it is necessary that we should know every person that belongs to our charge For how can we take heed to them if we do not know them? We must labor to be acquainted not only with their persons, but with the state of all our people, with their inclinations and conversations. What are the sins of which they are most in danger and what duties they are most apt to neglect and what temptations they are most liable to? For if we know not their temperament or disease, we are not likely to prove successful physicians." How many of you have had the painful experience of going to the doctor and sitting down with a physician and he, the entire time, is staring at a screen, obviously preoccupied 
with whatever he's got to put on the computer to get paid by the insurance company. And you don't feel heard. You don't feel known. He doesn't know your condition, so he cannot be a good physician. Brother pastors, we are physicians of the soul. Do we know the state of our flock? Brothers and sisters who are members of this church, are we willing to be open with our pastors on how we're really doing? How can we know if when we ask you, you won't tell us? How are we doing, church? Do do we know how Bible reading is going in the life of this congregation? Do we know how our prayer lives are going? Do we know what spiritual duties are being neglected? Do we know how the marriages are faring in this congregation? Do we know how the kids are doing? Do we know where we're being tempted? Do we know what's encouraging each other? Do we know where we need to grow? Last Sunday morning, as I was preparing to come and preach the sermon last Sunday, I was also thinking about this morning's sermon. And as I was thinking about uh, all the ways that PBC has changed over the past almost eight years, something struck me that just broke me. I have loved being in the driver's seat as God has brought about great, good, faithful change in this church family. But one of the things that convicted me as I meditated on that last Sunday is that now that the structures of Pocosin Baptist Church are where they need to be, there's still a lot of shepherding that needs to happen here in this congregation. And here's where I felt Lord just really speaking to me and convicting me. Hobson, you are far more comfortable shepherding structures than you are shepherding people. To my shame, I would rather sit down with a computer and a spreadsheet and a Word doc and figure out how to fix a broken structure. I would rather do that in my flesh than I would sit down in your living room with my Bible open to help you follow Jesus. I say that to my shame. PBC, I need your forgiveness because I have not always shepherded you well. Especially when the shepherding that needs to take place is the shepherding of souls. It's hard and uncomfortable and awkward and painful. I wonder if there's any members of this church that would say, I've felt unshepherded. And you would look back over the past year or two or three or five, and you would say, I, I, I felt it. If that's you, brother, sister, I'm sorry. If you felt that, it's probably because to one degree or another, I have not shepherded well. And I think I know our other elders well enough to know that if you asked each one of them individually, they would tell you, I haven't done all that I would want to do either.
if you have felt shepherded. I don't think we failed everybody. If you have felt shepherded, praise God. Anything good we've done, that's a testament to grace. God does good things in spite of our failures. As the Puritan says, God loves to draw straight lines with crooked sticks. We're a bunch of crooked sticks up here. If you want to find straight stick Baptist church, it's not here. God has used us in spite of us, not because of us. And yet, as, as, as I survey my own ministry here as your pastor and what I hope God does in my heart and in my life in the year ahead, I, I think all of our elders would say, we want to grow in this. We want to grow in this. The one thing that we've talked about is we, we talked about this at our elders meetings several months ago um, was we wanted to be more intentional in this. And one of the things we plan to do this year is to schedule at least one pastoral visit with every member of this church this year. Now, some of you are already used to visits like that. Many of you, you've had elders, different elders in your home. We spent time with you. We prayed with you. We've read the Bible with you. Praise God. Many of you, you're hearing that and you feel like Homer Simpson fading into the bushes right now. What in the world is he talking about? What, what, is that, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. I, I know it sounds perhaps uncomfortable and awkward. It's not going to be easy for your elders either. Here's the goal, that we sit down with you and we ask you, how's your soul? How's your walk with Jesus? How's your marriage? How's your Bible reading? Now, we're not going to ask all the questions like that that fast and then expect you to answer all that. We want to get to know you so we can serve you, so we can help you. So if you're a member of Pocosin Baptist Church, would you please encourage us in this? Not easy for me to stand up here and, and, and shine a spotlight at an area in my ministry where I think I've failed to some degree. So would you look at us and say, we love you and we're cheering you on and we're praying for you and I know it's awkward. We're okay. We're family. Families are awkward, aren't they? And so you, you, you hear this and you say, this is not what I want. There are churches that don't care about shepherding their members. I don't say that to be mean. I, I, don't, I really don't say that to be mean. But I do say that to tell you, we really believe this is what the Bible requires of us. If you're here and you're, you're interested in membership, you're, you're thinking about it, you're hearing about PBC, maybe for the first time, maybe relatively new here. This is what we aim to do. That great psalm that our sister Shelley read to open our service, the Lord is my shepherd. You hear that? The beauty there that he leads me beside still waters, right? That's what we want for our souls. And Jesus in his kindness has sent to his church this incredible gift called a pastor or an elder. And this is his job. This is what we get to do. Paul was a good example of this sort of house-to-house -house ministry. 
in verse 20 of Acts chapter 20, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. If New Testament Christians needed to be shepherded even in their homes, how much more do we? How much more do we? So, what does a shepherd need to do? How does he shepherd? He needs to know the flock. And one way we hope to grow in that in the year ahead is to spend more time with you. Spend more time with you. But it's not enough merely to spend time with you. The second key is we have to speak the truth. To shepherd well, we must speak the truth. So, so imagine a shepherd who knows every single one of his sheep by name. Okay, I'm thinking real shepherd, real sheep, okay? He knows all his sheep. He knows when their wool needs to be shorn. He knows the food that they like. He knows everything about every single one of his sheep. And he sits and watches as one sheep after another jumps off a cliff. Is that a good shepherd? Of course not. He knows the sheep but he doesn't speak to the sheep. He doesn't do anything to protect them from harm. In the same way, the elder's job, a pastor's job, is not merely to get to know you, but to know you so that we might help you grow. And the way we help each other grow is by speaking to one another the truth of God's word. Jesus put it this way in John 17, 17. He said, sanctify them in the truth, your word is is truth. Remember that word sanctify, it means to grow in holiness. So, so what is the instrument that God uses to grow his people in holiness? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. So what is the tool that elders, that pastors must use to help their people grow? The word of God. We speak the word of God to each other. Again, the Apostle Paul is a good example for us. In verse 27, he says that he, uh, to, to these Ephesian elders, he declared to them the whole counsel of God. So here's, here's what this looks like. Brother pastors, we look at the lives of our members. We see where they are in their walk with Jesus. And we speak God's word to them to help them grow. It's really simple. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. Be patient with them all. Perhaps there's some members in this room or on our membership list that need to be admonished. Members who are apathetic. Members who are wandering. Elders need to have the courage to sometimes gently admonish the membership and say, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't do this. You should do this or that. Some members need to be encouraged. Now, the older I get, the more I see how much we just need encouragement. A culture of encouragement. I remember years ago having a conversation with a young man who told us that it had been approximately three years since his parents had said an encouraging word to him. He remembered the date. I wonder, dear ones, 
if the people that love you best and love you most, if they would be able to say, yeah, it's been a long time since he encouraged me or she encouraged me. How often do we speak encouraging words to one another? Paul says, encourage the faint-hearted. Sometimes we feel like giving up, and what we need is not a word of stern rebuke, of criticism. We need a word of encouragement. Don't give up, sister. Don't give up, brother. God's using you. You're growing. This is good. Keep at it. And elders, we've got to model this in this church. We've got to be the lead encouragers in this church. And some just need help. He says, help the weak. Some of, our, some of you members, you're, you're new at this. Some of you are new to following Jesus. We're so grateful to see the stories of how God has brought you from death to life, and we rejoice in that, but we, we need to help you. What does it look like to read your Bible? What does it look like to be a part of a church family? And so we help the weak, and we be patient with all of them. And members, would you be patient with your elders? as we strive to get to know you better so that we might shepherd you better. If we're going to shepherd well, we must know the members, we must speak the truth, and we must watch ourselves. Look at verse 28 again. Pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock. Brothers, we cannot... Lead the sheep to green pastures if we don't know where the green pastures are. Moms and dads, you cannot lead your children to still waters if you don't know where the still waters are. You can only lead people to the extent that you have already experienced the grace that you're trying to lead them in. So have you experienced it? Brother, elders... Here again, the words of Richard Baxter. He said, take heed to yourselves, lest you be void of that saving grace of God, which you offer to others and be strangers to the effectual working of that gospel, which you preach. Beware, lest while you proclaim to the world the necessity of a savior, your own hearts should neglect him and you should miss an interest in him and his saving benefits. Take heed to yourselves, lest you perish while you call upon others to take heed of perishing, and lest you famish yourselves while you prepare food for them. There is a danger in dedicating yourself to the high and holy calling of shepherding, and that is that you might be so busy preparing food for others that you neglect to eat yourself. Would you pray for our elders, for your pastors, PBC family, that we would not neglect that high and holy calling? Kind of like when you're on the airplane, right? What do they always tell you? When the oxygen mask drop, put on your own before you help somebody else. In the same way, we have to pay attention to ourselves. We are not superstars. We are not immune. We are not invincible. Paul says to these elders in Ephesus, there are going to be some among you, some of these elders who are going to fall away and draw others after them. Watch, watch yourselves. And elders, we need to watch our own hearts. We cannot shepherd faithfully if we are not shepherding our own souls. 
So, brother elders, how is your Bible reading? How's your prayer life? How is your marriage? How is your evangelism? How is your soul? Are you shepherding your family well? And if you're here in this room as a young man who aspires to the office of elder one day, hear me, do not take a step into that direction unless you first begin to shepherd your own soul. The central task of elders is to shepherd souls. This is not an easy calling. To do this well will require more of us than many of us even now realize. Which leads to our final question this morning, and that is, why? Why must we shepherd? Our passage clearly gives us three reasons why elders must shepherd souls. First of all, elders are called by the Spirit. Elders are called by the Spirit. Now, there was a day when every one of our elders were voted on by the church. Me in 2016, Mike, Mike, John in 2019, Bubba in 2021, Jason, Sterling, Sam in 2023. Those days were really significant for each one of us. Oh, when I think about that day, I think about the fact that you entrusted me to be a shepherd here. But as humbling as that is, what's even more humbling is the fact that the Holy Spirit has called us to shepherd. Do you see that in verse 28? The Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He put us in this position as a high and holy calling, dear brothers. But here's the encouraging note there. If the Spirit has called you to the task, then He will equip you to do it, won't He? As Hudson Taylor famously said, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Second reason why we must shepherd is because the church belongs to God. The church belongs to God. Now, there are all sorts of ways that we could structure the church. You don't have to drive very far from here to, to find a church where, where you may never, ever even meet the pastor. To, to, to find a church where the pastors function kind of like administrative board or as a CEO, not as shepherds. We could structure it that way. And dear friends, it would be much easier if we did. But this is not our church. This is not your church. This is God's church. Listen again to the word of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for. That word care for literally means shepherd. To shepherd whose church? The church of God. If this church belongs to God, then it is not up to us to decide how we will deploy its troops. It's God's decision. It's God's church. And if the scriptures say that the central task of pastors, of elders, is to shepherd souls, then that better be what we do. Because this place does not belong to any of us, but to Him. A third and final reason why elders must shepherd, and that's because the church was purchased by Jesus. I don't drive it as often these days, but Many of you have seen me drive around our old gold 2008 Honda Odyssey. It's a beater. 
got stickers all over the back. It's scratched really bad in a lot of places. And it's even worse if you open up the door and look inside. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That thing is a heap. You can walk in or step into that car and you can see the damage that five children can do to a vehicle's interior. It's incredible. Now, if I were to give you the keys to that vehicle and allow you to drive it for the day, uh, you would probably be kind of careful because, you know, you want to respect me or whatever. But you would look on the inside and you would be like, they really don't care about this car. It's really not that big of a deal. But what if... I handed you the keys to an Austin Martin Valor. 705 horsepower, twin turbo V12 engine, six-speed manual transmission. One of only 110 models produced. Particular vehicle has a price tag of one and a half million dollars. I think it's safe to say that all of you would treat an Austin Martin Valor with much greater care than my rundown minivan. Why? Because the more costly something is, the greater care it deserves. Now, look again at our text one more time and look at the cost that was paid for the church. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Dear friends, this is the heart of Christianity. It's not what we believe a pastor is supposed to do. That's important, but it's not the heart of Christianity. The heart of Christianity is that God loves the world so much that he sent his son to pay an incredible price, a price that we could not pay, that he sent his son to die a sinner's death, that he, the sinless son of God, the eternal son of God, the very one who whispers and galaxies appear, he would die on a cross to purchase for himself a people. If we really believe that, if we really believe the church is that costly, then we ought to treat it with great care. If you're in this room and you're not a follower of this Jesus the cross is the price that Jesus paid so that people like you could belong to him. The Bible teaches that all of us have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. All of us deserve eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But Jesus took our penalty and died in our place so that you could be a part of the people of God. Would you, even now, even where you are right in your seat, would you even now cry out to him and be saved? The very first Sunday of the year in 1850, a man named Charles decided on a whim to go to church. He went to 
He wanted to go to his church, but he couldn't go to his church. It was snowy. The roads were blocked. And so he walked to some little Methodist church in his neighborhood. And as, as Providence would have it, that particular day, the preacher, the pastor of that church, the guy who, who went to school to do this thing, couldn't make it. He was stuck in the snow. So some lowly, not the deacons are lowly, but this particular deacon was a lowly deacon, not well-spoken, was, really wasn't the kind of person that stood up in front of a crowd and preached a sermon, but there was nobody else to do it. And so that particular Sunday, first Sunday of the year in 1850, that deacon stood in front of that congregation and he preached what was probably one of the worst sermons of all time. And yet, the man in the pew, young Charles, heard that preacher say, look to Jesus and be saved. And Charles Spurgeon did. And God used his word to draw some sinner to himself. And out of that work, many, many more would come to Christ. Dear brother, sister, friend, I don't know what God's doing in your heart today, but I do know this. He is not done. He still invites sinners to look to him and be saved. Would you look to him today? And he still calls pastors to shepherd the flock of God because of how precious and valuable that it is purchased by the blood of Jesus. So let's look to our Savior, the great shepherd of the sheep, and follow him together. Would you pray with me?